Hey everyone, Jeff Freeman here with the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream at JFree906. And Linda Simpson is sitting in the uh, shotgun, running shotgun tonight. Linda, thank you so much for being my co-host tonight. You're welcome. Hey everybody. So uh, tonight we are going to be talking about Beyond Oak Island. And we are going to have a couple of gentlemen are going to be joining us. Uh, tonight's, uh, we're going to recap the episode, the riches of poverty Island, which actually isn't that far from where I am right now here in Michigan. If you, um, if you want to help support the show, we have our Patreon channel. It's uh, patreon.com there. It is jfree906. Uh, we have several patrons out there and I tell you folks, I appreciate each and every one of you so very much. Unfortunately, it does cost a little bit to put the show on. I try my best to cover. I do cover all the cost on that. Um, but I do appreciate all the help. I really truly do. And I thank you guys so very much. Uh, it is a definite big help, uh, to maintaining all of this. And, and if you're watching from YouTube, please click and subscribe. We appreciate that very much. And if you like the content of our show, give us a thumbs up, let us know. And it does help with the YouTube algorithm. So more people get to see it. They promote it more. So, uh, yeah, so we've got a couple of special guests, and it's always nice. Jan goes out and gets our special guests for us. Uh, tonight, we've got Rob Westrick and Doug Gossage is going to join us tonight and talk about, they were both on this episode, and they're going to share uh, their insights with us. Doug, of course, a dive instructor, underwater still photography and videographer, expert in sonar and uh, magnetometer search techniques, certified over a 1,000 individuals for diving, and just the list goes on and on. These guys have such a background. We'll go let them talk about that a little bit. Of course, Rob, you guys know Rob. He's a professional marine archaeologist, a master's degree in marine history and nautical from the East Carolina University, uh, works in numerous projects over the last 25 years, projects to include sensing surveys and complete sur excavations and mapping. I mean, it goes on and on. Also an expert in Civil War wrecks, the 1715 fleet, so we're going to get to hear about their expertise as we go on tonight, and uh, we'll be talking about the episode, of course, The Riches of Poverty Islands. This is Robert Clotworthy, the narrator of The Curse of Oak Island, and I have a question for you. Could it be that you are listening to The Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream? This is a top pocket find, mate, for sure. All right, we are back. Hey, thank you so much, folks, for being here with us tonight. And uh, Doug, you are still muted. Do want to let you know that real quick. Uh, and please welcome our very special guest to help us tonight, Rob Westrick and Doug Gossage. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming. Hello. Thank you. We have this uh, episode that uh, I tell you, Linda and I, and actually all of us in our uh, group, uh, have been talking ever since they had the first episode of Poverty Island aired. Uh, was that season one or was that season two, Linda? Was that one? It was season one, I believe. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And so uh, they went out to Poverty because we Island. we thought that this episode was going to air in season two. It was, it was supposed to. Oh, was yeah. it really? Oh, okay. All right. So they went out and they put down the, uh, uh, they had Mr. Arnold out there. Was it uh, Abbott? I'm sorry. Abbott was out there and they put down yeah, that scanner that was looking at all the stuff on the ground and all that came up kind of empty handed, but you know, we talked about this and we discussed the fact that it was such an interesting concept, the thing that they were looking for 
And most of us wanted to see him get back out there and look some more. I mean, there was more, I, you know, it's like, we needed more to the story and there was more and there was a lot missing. So now finally we got to see that episode and it was called the riches of poverty Island. And you gentlemen were there and thank you for coming on. It's, it's great that you would come and join us uh, to kind of take us through this a little bit. Um, before we get started, though, I wanted to say for those of you who may not know who Rob and Doug are, I'd like to have you guys just kind of give us a little background. I know I kind of read from your your uh, accolades of all these things, but tell us a little bit. Uh, Rob, you want to start just to kind of tell us a little bit about what you do and why uh, your expertise was needed on the show. Oh, I'm a professional marine archaeologist. I was, you know, shipwrecks was something that I'd been fascinated with ever since I was a little kid. Uh, grew up reading, you know, different stories about shipwrecks and shipwrecks in the Great Lakes and and uh, just pursued pursued my dream and my passion and became a marine archaeologist. I've been doing it now for, boy, it's, it's scary to think how long I've been doing it, but, you know, closing in on 25, almost 30 years. Yep. And I've worked on different shipwrecks uh, around the world and, uh, you know, every day is different and you never know from one day to the next what you're going to be working on. What a, what a neat, you know, it's so awesome that you get to do this, um, you know, to, to to look for shipwrecks. I mean, most of us just dream about something like that, and you get to live it. That's so awesome. Mr. Gossage, tell us a little bit about Doug. I mean, what uh, what brings you to uh, the whole uh, the TV show and the, your expertise? Well, I, I work with Rob on a couple of different projects in the past, and um, I think Rob had a lot to do with me uh, being involved in this this episode. Um, but my background is uh, uh, straight out of college, actually kind of cut college a little short. Um, <laughs> uh, so a couple of years of college, uh, you know, it was a little too slow paced for me. I just uh, just didn't want to have a job, you know. I mean, I wanted to have a job, but I didn't want to work for somebody. So yep. I started a uh, dive business with my dad in uh, in uh, South area of chicago the south suburbs i don't want to say chicago um and we uh we ran that uh, the two of us uh, for a long time and taught a lot of people and actually did a couple of cool um uh, expeditions uh, way back then uh, in ancient indian burial mounds and oh, wow. in a, a lake in wisconsin and uh, actually had some good results finding some stuff there and um, looking for Navy uh, airplanes in Lake Michigan with a sonar system that we bought. And uh, it just kind of spiraled. It just kept going and going and going. And then, uh, you know, any kind of ship, any kind of history that's underwater just interests me. So I honed my skills with the instruments and um, have thousands of hours, uh, hundreds of uh, and hundreds of miles of, you know, dragging stuff through the water and uh, <laughs> yep. and have gotten, I think, pretty good top of the game, I think, uh, with uh, with what I do. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and I tell you, now uh, when uh, Marty uh, and Maddie, when Marty has something that uh, uh, he, he has people to go to now and he knows he, you know, he's worked with Rob before, he's worked with you before, uh, but now you guys bring so much to the table. I mean, you're like you're probably on a speed dial, I would think, when it comes to this kind of stuff, and that's awesome. Um, so you know that's you know, I noticed that during the episode, and well, I'm going to jump into some of the pictures here, and folks, uh, yeah, the, the people who watch the show, uh, they know I love uh, to go through my pictures. 
I'm going to kind of get us started with these, but we're going to just let Doug and Rob do most of the talking here. Um, we're not doing 60 pictures. No, no, no. <laughs> I only got about 45. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, let's let's go. I just want to get this started, and then we'll just let it go where it goes. So, Riches of Poverty Island. And the guys start off, they start off with talking uh, to um, Robert Krepke in the war room, uh, kind of going over this a little bit and discussing about what they're going to do going back to Poverty Island and looking around there. Last time they were, I think, was it over on the south side of the island that they were looking? or they, yeah. yeah, they were on the south side by the lighthouse. Right, exactly. And so this time um, it was decided... Um, to go and look in a different spot, and I, I'll let uh, uh, I'll let um, Doug kind of describe that or talk about that here in just a minute. Um, but they wanted to go and look in a different spot for something else that would lead them to the story. Um, so they sat around the table. They got everything worked out. You know, Maddie wanted to go. He's a certified diver now, so uh, he wanted to be taken. You know, take part in this. Um, by the way, Maddie's going to be on the show with us on the 16th of November, so you don't want to miss that when we kick off the premiere of uh, The Curse of Oak Island. Um, but here's the part where, well, I tell you what, before we get to this part, I, I actually want to um, to to talk about with Doug a, bit, a little bit about why this different spot, uh, looking instead of looking by the lighthouse, why the different spot uh, around Poverty Island? Do you mind? Yeah, help us understand yeah. how okay. that came about. All right, it, it was, it's kind of a, a, a funny story, I guess. Um, they um, had contacted me originally, the the um, production company, mm -hmm. to, to uh, entertain the thought of doing a show on a ship or a few ships that I found on uh, in, in a different site in the Keys. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we talked about this and the last time I was on, uh, and there's some trouble or problems there because it's in the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary and there's so many restrictions. And I said, yeah. you know, I could take you out there. Um, we can only hand fan and we're probably not going to uncover anything. It's all electronic. That, that is the reason why I know they're there. Um, and I said, you know, I'd, I'd really have to have the final say even on what what you were showing. Mm -hmm. um, and that didn't fly, you know, at the, at the top dogs there. Um, and that's understandable. Yep. So uh, it was quiet for a little while. And then I got I got, a, you know, the um, the wonderful guys. I thought the um, what are they called, Rob? Not the executive producers, but uh, um they're they're uh, the ones that do all the work really uh, you know, on the site uh kudos to them man they were they I, I would like to have their batteries because they went from sun up to well past sundown you know and oh, they yeah. just they were yeah. they they were on the phone they were running around they they worked their butts off um so yeah. you don't see that of course uh, but they were saying, hey, they're going to they're going to want to go back there. And they were looking uh, for my and I live in South Chicago area, south end of Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of diving history from, you know, the 70s and the 80s there. Right. They they started out asking me if I just uh, if I could lead them in the right direction to somebody up there in that area. And I said, gosh, you know, it's so barren. I really don't know very many people up there. We'll I'll try, <laughs> and, I, and I and I did, and I made calls, you know, and emails going back and forth. And I said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just not 
not coming up with anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they said, well, you know, we, we need somebody, an instructor, somebody uh, that will, uh, you know, be able to um, kind of help uh, newer divers and, um, and do maybe do a survey. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's me, you know, but uh, I didn't, oh, wow. I didn't offer yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't offer it. I just, you know, and they said, and, and uh, so he says, um, and by somebody, we mean you. I'm like, well, why didn't you say that in the first place? You know, I, I could have saved myself a week of calling people yeah. and trying to locate a dive shop up there. And uh, yeah. so, and so and actually I was the dive shop. So I wound up loading my truck up with uh, tanks and wetsuits and all kinds. I mean, I, it was a traveling dive shop. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, so they asked, uh, you know, well, we'd like to do something there, but we're not quite sure what we want to do. I said, uh, well, I watched the episode and, you know, it was great technology and the uh, sector scanning sonar was real clear. And I, and, and those guys were great. But they were not in, you know, you, you can't find what you're looking for. Five chests of gold with a sector scanning sonar no. that are probably going to be busted up uh, after, you know, uh, almost 100 years. Yep. And or we don't know the size of them, uh, the chain, you know, the growth over it. Uh, it's just right. not the right tool. Um, well, what's the right tool? You know, I said, well, <laughs> it's a tough one, you know, because it's a small target. I said, so what we should probably do is go after a bigger target. I said, it made sense to me when I was watching that show. If they, if they uh, ship supposedly snagged those chests and then that ship sank, that ship is near the chests. Yes. Maybe if that's yeah. what happened. Right. right. So, right. all right, this ship broke up in the storm and, but it's still a ship, you know, it's still got, pins and pieces and stuff that I can detect. That's what I've worked at. I don't, I don't find the easy ships that are all intact and, you know, I'm bored with that. That's too easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like I got bored with college. That was too easy. You know? so, uh, let's give me a challenge. So, um, so we went for the challenge and I said, why don't we go look for that wreck? Okay. We'll go look for that wreck. Mm -hmm. All right. So where do we start? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me, they say. I said, well, you, you don't have an idea where the wreck's going to be? No. Well, let, let me talk to Rob. And we, Rob and I talked about it a little bit. And uh, I, I did a little of my own research and found some legal documents. And I started out kind of way up in a deeper water in a, in a big area. And this is typical when you're doing a survey. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started as more I read, I'm coming, coming down, coming down, coming down. Next thing you know, you know, I'm like, man, it broke up on the rocks and they, and they were um, heard by the lifeguards, you know, the life, uh, uh, lighthouse, the lighthouse keepers. Um, yeah. The kids, you know, I know voices travel far, but uh, you know, if it's windy out and you know, going in the wrong direction, it doesn't travel to the Island necessarily. So they had to be close to the Island. Yep. And then I read that, um, you know, the commercial diver of that ship that sank, which is the captain Lawrence. Yep. Uh, he was, you know, this is the twenties. So this is old school. It's uh, you know, hard lead shoes and a canvas suit and a diving bell and a hard hat helmet. And then I read that a, um, the diving bell actually washed up on the North side of the Island. Really? I yeah. didn't know that part. Well now, you know, so there's you know, poverty Island, which is the little dot. And right. then there's above it is another Island. I think it's called summer right. Island. Yeah. It actually washed up on the North side of summer Island. Oh, 
a diving bell. It's not, you know, not made out of plastic. It's yeah. a heavy bell. So and the kids, the did, kids played on it for several summers until another storm came and it ended up back in the lake somewhere. Oh, I see. I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Rob is awesome. He comes up with this stuff. Um, So yeah, I mean, you know, it's like okay, okay, it's not on the other side. Okay, it's not by the lighthouse, you know. And I think the whole idea about the lighthouse came from, you know, it's a simple thing to do. You know, if if you got um, a, a structure there. Well, well, that's where we start. And yeah. it just didn't make sense to me. You know, I told Marty, I said, it, you know, I, I got a theory about that. I said, it's these, these kids were 11, 12, 13, 14 years old on a, you know, basically a deserted island except yeah. for their family. Yeah. Yep. I said, you think a ship comes anywhere near that island and they're not cruising uh, around wherever it's at? They have paths crisscrossing that island all over the oh, place. Yeah. You know, they yep. had nothing yeah. else to do. Right. So, um, you know, it could have been anywhere uh, on the island. And um, so I picked out uh, the area and then I lay out my my uh, survey lanes and I had about, um, you know, what normally you do is you, you have to lay out about, you know, quite a few. You got to cover a lot of area. Yep. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, because of the show constraints and the time and all that, uh, I couldn't do what I normally do with a whole lot of lanes. Yep. Um, I mean, I can go on and on. I don't want to steal the show for, from from you. So um, <laughs> we can come back to it if you want, uh, yeah. if you got other questions for Rob. Uh, right. Well, you know, so that so that was neat that you were able to not now say, look, we, we need to look in a different spot and we need to look for something else. You're, the, I mean, the logic that you just told us all, it makes absolute sense because you're, would you look for a, a, a piece of chain and some chest, about two or three, four, whatever they were, three chests underground that are all, like you said, broken up now? Or are you going to look for the ship that supposedly, it was a salvage boat, that supposedly found it, the Captain Lawrence? And that was going to be a better target to hunt for. So, yeah, that makes total sense that you would look in a different spot. So that, okay, so we got that part. Now we know why we're looking there. And I, and I wanted to, you know, the, one of the pictures as they take us through much of beyond Oak Island is also a history lesson as well. And that's part of the show. That's part of the show that I really enjoy. I enjoy looking for treasure too. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I always want them to, you know, dig up some emeralds on the Atocha and all that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but you know, it's that history part of it that I think a lot of people enjoy as well. So, you know, in this particular episode, they were talking about the history uh, and going through that a little bit. And and I and I and I I was under the understanding, and this is where I'm going to ask Rob. Rob, you know, you are uh, you know uh, somebody who is very knowledgeable. You've, you've studied this kind of stuff, talking about the uh, Civil War shipwrecks. So. Tell it, take us a little bit through how those chests supposedly got there in the first place. Do you mind kind of describing that a little bit? No, not at all. I'll uh, describe it as best I can. Uh, you know, all goes back. This whole Poverty Island treasure legend goes back to the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the very first things that President Lincoln did was he ordered that as the states succeeded from the Union, he ordered the southern block, you know, the southern ports be blockaded. And, uh, you know, during the early stages of the war, it basically was, uh, you know, a blockade in, in name only. It, the ships were still coming and going. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the Union started the war. I think they had something like 90 vessels on the rolls. And then we're talking, you know, 4,000 miles of coastline. You're talking right. from, you know, from Virginia wrapping all the way down the tip of Florida and then wrapping around, you know, through the Gulf, you know, the Gulf Coast. Yep. So, I mean, we've got thousands yep. of miles of coastline and they had less than 100 ships. And of those, I think only about a two thirds of them were actually in commission. And of those, there was only about 24 that were steamers. So these, oh, yeah. so, you know, they had the blockade, but the ships were still coming and going out of Wilmington, Charleston, New Orleans, you know, basically no problem. Well, unions started building up the Navy right away. And in a matter of, you know, less than, you know, two and a half years into the war, that 90 ships that they had, was up almost to 700 ships. Wow. So wow. it became increasingly difficult for ships to go through the blockade. More and more of them were getting captured or destroyed trying to do it. And it got more and more, you know, effective to the points where they, you know, basically were sealing these ports off and then they were capturing them, you know, starving them from within. Because mm -hmm. the Confederacy, you know, they didn't have any manufacturing. So everything right. that they relied on, you know, had to be brought in. Right. Yep. from abroad whether it be the munitions or you know luxuries or everything mm -hmm. uh, so you got the the war going on it's you know basically by 1863 it's a total flip-flop and these ports are you know very sealed off and you got 10 blockade runners trying to get in and one or two of them are making it which is the exact opposite of you know how the war started so Meanwhile, you've got both, you know, Great Britain and France are very, you know, sympathetic towards the Confederate cause. Not so much, you know, for the, for what they were fighting and what they believed in, but more so for what they did for them, which was cotton. There was textile mills in Europe and they were dependent on cotton. So they would, you know, the, the blockade, blockade runners would take cotton out of these ports and then they would bring in arms and munitions in exchange for them. All right. And it got to the point where, uh, you know, by 1863, the war's turning, you know, uh, Gettysburg happens in 1863, mm -hmm. uh, the fall of Vicksburg happens. The, the war is starting to slowly but surely go in the Union's favor. And they put out a desperate plea. They need some cash to keep on fighting this war. So they reach out to Napoleon III, the Emperor of France at the time, and he agrees to send them what amounts today to about uh, $4 million worth of gold. Yep. Of course, the ports are all sealed off. So what they do is, and it's kind of a, a genius way of doing it, they're going to bring it in the back door. Yeah, and I'm going to show the map here that was that was displayed on the show where they're coming down through the St. Lawrence Seaway. Go ahead, please. Yeah, that's my map. <laughs> that's your map? It. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so all the southern ports are, are blockaded. So they actually you know, send a ship over goes into you know canada you know they're not no no ports up there are blockaded but they're going to go down the st lawrence river they're going to go through the canal system into the great lakes and eventually make its way to chicago chicago they were going to load it on board a train and you know through the different railroads get it down to richmond virginia yep and that's where the story starts uh you know they made it up into the great lakes just fine uh wrapped up into the upper lake michigan and that's when uh you know, this great treasure was supposedly lost. Right. I'm going to bring this so, up again. Go so ahead. they go to Escanaba. Yep. Right. And 
offload it there onto a different ship? No, it would have been the same ship. Same ship. And, and this is kind of where the story takes, you know, it, all the different stories are kind of in step with one another until the stuff gets up into Lake Michigan. And then it, there's about three or four different detours uh. that take place, you know, of what exactly happened next. And that's the big question mark. But something happened off Poverty Island. There's stories the ship was captured. There's stories that the ship thought it was going to be captured and dumped the chest overboard and got away. We don't know if it was French Canadian pirates. We don't know if it was union sympathizers. We don't know if it just was, uh, you know, regular, uh, you know, pirates roaming, you know, the, the Great Lakes. We so don't know these, exactly these what happened to that. chests would have been wooden chests? Would have been wooden chests wrapped with iron bands. So and they would be totally deteriorated pretty much by now. Uh, not so much in the Great Lakes. You got to remember the no, Great because Lakes. It's cold. You know, it's cold and it's fresh water. Fresh water. And, okay. Uh, you yep. know, a lot of things that you you know in the ocean environment. Doug and I have both worked on the 1715 fleet. There, there are no ships left. All the right. wooden components of that ship are gone, eaten by shipworms. But you know, the Great Lakes. There's still ships in the Great Lakes that are you know re remarkably well intact wow. because of the preservation potential. Yep. So they would have been wooden chests wrapped with iron bands. And the whole idea was they they strung them all together, chained them all together. They dumped them off where they could come back later and basically use a grappling anchor and, and drag the bottom and retrieve them. That was the plan. Right. But I've, I've, got to, another, I've got to cut in here for a second to explain that these are not like steamer chests that you would go, uh, you know, over to uh, wherever Finland from New York. To this, this is a small wooden chest. I mean, gold is very dense and very heavy and it doesn't take a whole lot to get to those kind of dollar amounts. No. So it, it's not, it's not a big need. All of them together cumulatively are, is not a big target in a big, in a big lake. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so you don't have the ship eating worms in Lake Michigan, but you have uh, zebra mussels that cover everything up and you have yep. a lot of moss. You could see it in the episode, you know, yeah. it wasn't all right. sand. In fact, some of the planking that we found was, you know, you just kind of barely see the edge, the straight line of it. Mm. Uh, so, cool. yeah, you know, after time, that's going to be hard to find. Yeah, and you got, the, you got the ice factor too, you know, it frees yes. it up. And I mean, that's how the great lakes were carved was, Yep. It's through you know, the glacier stuff. So there's right. there's boulders down there. There's huge stuff, and that stuff all gets moved around. Right. And I wanted to show this picture that I have up right now, too. I zoomed in on this map of yours, and I and I kind of zoomed in on it a little bit to show. Uh, folks, this is where it would have come through and then come by Detroit, up around through uh, where I'm at right now. <laughs> by the Mac where Of course, the Mackinac Bridge wasn't there then. Uh, but they come through here and right over in this area here, if you can see my mouse moving there, this is where Poverty Island is right here off of Escanaba and right in this area here. So that's where they believe that the um, they dumped over those chests. So I just wanted to show that for uh, for everybody. Can I, can I get an idea of just exactly where they were looking? So please go ahead, Rob. No, so that basically, you know, the tale ends there. And then we, you've got to flash forward to the 1929 when uh, the salvage group went out and was actually looking for it. Now, now, in between, there was a ship that supposedly accidentally snagged 
these chests. They were pulling up their anchor. And just as it broke the surface, uh, the chain snapped and it went back in the bottom. They dragged around for a few days trying to, you know, re-grab it and never could. So they failed. But in 1929 is when a guy named Wilford Brennan uh, Barons outfits a 60-foot schooner. Uh, was originally called the Alice, and it was renamed the Captain Lawrence. And they set it up as a salvage vessel. And they were there at Poverty Island looking for the treasure. Yep. And I just showed a few pictures of that newspaper clipping. Uh, it's got his name that there, Wilfred Barons. Um, and you can see the Captain Lawrence, you know, barely right here on the bottom of the screen. Yep. Uh, yeah, went out there and looked for it. And I think this is actually, yeah, that's a picture of the boat. Um that they went out there or the ship that they went out there looking for it with. Uh, that's in a picture the, of it there. In the first episode, back in season one, they made it sound like this Mr. Barron's, Captain Barron's, whomever, went out and found this that in that summer or that year. But it was three years. I mean, he went back there for three years. Am I correct? From what I've read, it was over the course of three summers. Wow, and the third summer is is basically when you know the legend says that they found something. The lighthouse keeper's son was on shore watching them. You know something ab you know unusual happened. You know the crew was uh, hooping and hollering and high fiving each other and something out of the ordinary. I mean, Doug and I have both been out on on you know different shipwreck excavations and. You know, you find a lot of garbage, a lot of junk, and uh, you know, I'm sure it was it was no different back then. It's very very mundane. They, people hear what we do and, and they think, oh, that's just, you know, you you go to X marks a spot, you dive overboard, and you start picking up the whole points. No, you know, uh, it floats found, underwater. The X floats underwater, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, now have I found gold coins underwater? Yes, absolutely. But for every gold coin I've ever found, I've probably dug a hundred sinkers, uh, five hundred beer cans. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, patio furniture. You know, all kinds of, of stuff. <laughs> But you know, back to the Captain Lawrence, something, you know, unusual happened that day. And there was very uh, a joyous celebration on board. And that night, that's the night that a storm kicked up. And, uh, you know, by the next morning, the Captain Lawrence was no more, had been sunk to the bottom. Wow. And that's where, okay, so, uh, you know, that's where the legend leaves. So did Wilfred Behrens survive that? Was he on that ship? You know, that's another one of those points of contention that, that you start doing the archival research and there's some conflicting information as to who was on board. There's 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 accounts that say everybody on board died. That, you know, it was a small crew, it would have been about four people. There's also ones, there's some accounts that said, no, they all survived. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Another one, not everybody was on board. Some people had, had gone in the the smaller vessel to go get groceries and they weren't on board when this happened, but it's, so it's a very I mean, divergent. This was 1933, right? Yeah. So yeah, like, now, what, conceivably what, someone could still be alive. Right. Yeah. Good. Well, yeah, they'd have been in their, they'd have been in their twenties at that time. Yeah, so. I suppose that's true. Yeah. yeah. Now, now Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the stories is, uh, well, the, the ship, <laughs> you know 
crashed, broke up into pieces. The guys are in the water. It's miraculous that they wound up on Poverty Island, not crushed to the, on the rocks or, you know, you know, with um, unhealable uh, injuries. And of course, the uh, lighthouse kid went, hightailed it back home, right? Uh, and then, right. Um, you know, the next morning comes out and sees maybe wood floating on the surface and this sort of thing, and the ship is gone. Well, those guys, they, I had read that they uh, created their own little encampment, you know, instead of going to the lighthouse and saying, hey, you know, we're on a ship here and we just shipwrecked. Can you give us some help? You know, so that adds to the mystery, I think. It's like, it's like, hmm, why didn't they want anybody to know, you know, that they were over there? Right. And that they were actually even offered help um, from the Coast Guard or why, or, or maybe to, to have some, the Coast Guard notified and they declined. So I don't know how they finally got off the island, but they didn't want anybody knowing their business, wow. it seems like. And so, this is where, you know, you know, the story goes in four, four or five different directions, and it's real hard to track down your fact from fiction and what's what's part of the legend, what's part of the myth, right. what really happened. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have to uh, we're going to have to get uh, Tom and Henry working on this, Linda. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to uh, to dig into it. And I was just showing these articles. There was a couple of uh, newspaper articles, of course. Um, you know, the one talking about these, the Captain Lawrence in the first place heading out there. And there's a picture of the diving, uh, gear that they were using, um, you know, to go down and all that, uh, to, to try to search this. And then again, as Rob said, you know, and Doug, you know, they got very excited about it. They found something there was, it seemed that way that they were very excited because they found something. And then that night, um, it shows, here's a newspaper article showing that the schooner was pounded to pieces. Um, so, and it makes total sense that, you know, like, uh, when Doug told us, you know, why go look for these three small boxes that could very well still be intact when you can look for the wreck of the ship who supposedly found the three boxes. Now you got something more tangible to look for. Now they went down in the first episode, they had put the, um, the uh, unit down there to do the scans and then, you know, which was great. It's the imagery is fantastic from these things. Um, but I think like we were talking about tonight, they needed different equipment and they also needed to look somewhere else and the limits of time with the TV production and all that kind of stuff, you know, that, that, that limits you very much, obviously in, in what you're trying to do, but then you guys get to go out and uh, so take us through all of that. Now, there was a couple of people that were introduced that I have not. Uh, here's one here, Luke Claiborne, a merchant marine captain. Um, and then he you have. A yes, right? yes, Luke he did. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, there's uh, Doug and Rob uh, getting ready to uh, uh, get on on board the uh, boat to go out and start looking. Uh, so now at this point here. You guys were contacted, of course, to go out and have a look at this, uh, you know, as opposed to the team, part of the team that was there last time. So, again, so it's your show. Take us through what what happened for this episode. Well, they, they had contacted me. Uh, I You know, I was in the season season one, the seventeen fifteen fleet. I was on a couple of episodes. Yep. So I guess they, they were happy show. with the job I had done. And during the, the off season, they called me and asked me, 
do I have any other, you know, show ideas or any other projects I'm working on? Well, Doug and I have worked together for, for several years. He's my go-to guy. You know, if I need a survey done, you know, he's my remote sensing specialist. He's the best I know out there in the business. And by the same token, I'm his archaeologist. So yep. between the two of us, we make a great team. Yeah. I have a project in the Florida Keys. He had a project in the Florida Keys. He needed an archaeologist. I needed a remote sensing survey done. Yeah. You know, marriage made in heaven. Yep. So he came and did a survey for me. I'm his archaeologist. We were going to do the show in the Keys on a site he had found. And like Doug said, it was problematic. You know, you're very restricted what you can do, yeah. what you can't do out there. The last thing you want to do is go out there and having a film crew filming you doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, exactly. <laughs> so we really thought it kind of died on the vine. And about two weeks later, I got a, got a phone call and it's one of the producers. And they asked, uh, you know, what would I, what do I know about Poverty Island? And I had, I was familiar with the story. I had actually written an article about it in, uh, in my uh, shipwreck newsletter about four years ago. And I said, I'd like to go up and do it. And Doug would be the person to contact. So, you know, they ended up uh, contacting us, wanting us to do it. I live in Louisiana now. You know, Doug's up there um, in Illinois, in Indiana. Indiana border. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually flew into Chicago. He picked me up at the airport, had everything all loaded up. He had like, you know, he had a pickup truck, you know, full of it was a rolling dive store with all of his equipment yep. and tanks and everything else. So we drove up together. And that was really nice. You know, it was nice to be able to see Doug and, and have that, you know, yeah. you know, small, you know, six hour drive or whatever it was to yeah. get from Chicago up there. And we talked about this project and some of the stuff we're working on together. Uh, we got up there and uh, yeah, the first, first day they were going to go out and do the magging and go ahead, Doug, take it, take it from there. Yeah. So the first day there was really just the um, crew, the, the cast wasn't there yet. Uh, they were they were to come uh, later that evening, maybe, or uh, uh, Maddie showed up the first day and then Marty showed up um, a little bit later. Um, but uh, so the first day, you know, I did some magging on, on, on we went out to the site. I did some magging and um, um, not a whole lot of time. It was just kind of scope out the area. Um, and make sure all the gear was working and that uh captain um uh, barbeau larry barbeau yeah captain larry awesome guy picture up right now yeah yeah there he is yeah awesome guy awesome captain you know so no normally when i go out and i mag i'm running the lanes off of my computer and i have all that uh, you know that navigation stuff similar to that um on my screen but, you know, his cabin was, you know, an enclosed cabin um, where his wheelhouse was. And they and I was set up on a picnic bench and, you know, Rob was all the way back in the uh, stern, starboard stern corner, um, you know, uh, keeping an eye on the on the line. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was a, that was different. We had to figure out, you know, I had to get him coordinates of the start and stop of every lane. And he had to enter them in his own you know, Garmin or whatever it was, he had it uh, up in his thing. Um, so, but not a, not a lot of the guys, you know, he's a professional captain. So, but not a lot of people, uh, you know, can run a straight line, you know, um, at a slow speed um, with wind and towing something behind you. So kudos to Larry too. He did an awesome job. If he's listening, uh, you know, 
why do anything with him again uh, like that as a captain. Uh, so yeah, that that was you know kind of day one. Um, I, I did get in the water. I was able to you know check the depths and the visibility and all that, and uh, kind of uh, it, it was it was uh, relieving because uh, we had excellent visibility. I mean, you know, in, in the beginning, anyways. Not not after we uh, were starting to find things and the, some of the guys got excited and you know started you know shaking some of the stuff and uh, stirring up the bottom. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but before that, um, when we were actually searching, I think, gosh, I'd say oh, 60 foot visibility, which is really wow. pretty good, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was diving in a dry suit, so I don't know um, if it was really cold. But um, Maddie, poor guy, was in a, uh, a wetsuit. Yes. He's newly newly certified, and um, boy, he's all in though. I'll tell you, he is. He's all you know. He we listened. get that from him. You understand that he is. He's so gung ho. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, to, you know, I even the the show guys wanted everybody on communication underwater and you know wearing a full face mask is um a different experience than you know just open water diving and in fact usually you have to be certified before you use one so you know i had to give um, maddie some instruction i didn't know luke at all um bob brought um uh but brought Luke along with him. So I didn't know he was even going to be there or anything about it, his experience or anything. Um, however, Luke, uh, Luke was good. He, um, you know, I could tell uh, when he opened up his dive bag and he brought out his uh, dry suit and it was well-worn and used, yeah. you know, and I'm like, okay, he's, he's, uh, he's got some dives in, you know, yep. not all brand new and shiny, uh, yeah, which is exactly. signs that we look for, you know, oh, as sorry. professionals. It doesn't always mean it's true, but uh, yep. uh, in his case, he was he was he was just fine as a diver. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I got a picture here. I had brought up. Um, this is the one showing the. Um, now this is the lanes that you're wanting. The yellow ones, I, I assume, are the lanes you're wanting to. Yeah, the yellow are the ones I laid out that I figured we needed to cover mm -hmm. to fully cover it. And that would have taken, you know, a full day, maybe day and a half. Wow. And then the uh, red ones uh, with the, I'm a little colorblind, so I think that's red. Um, yep, the re Red are with the arrows on them there. Yeah, that's yep. the. Um, is that uh, the actual track he took? No, that no, the green, green is, ones are the yeah, actual track. Okay. In fact, you can see a turn there. Yeah, right here. Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, maybe I redrew. I think what I did. Yeah, that's what I did. Original. The original plan was the yellow lanes, oh, and okay. then I then I, I realized I, we weren't going to have time to do all that, and, and so I picked a new area, and I drew the red lines over the yellow lines. That's what I did. Yeah. And this is the water. Is this the depth of 55, 47, 51? Yeah. I mean, that's an old Noah chart that I, okay. I dug up. Um, like, I don't know how old, but it's, it's, you know, I went as, as uh, I found the latest uh, or the earliest chart, I guess you would say that you could find, you know, the, that might be closest to the water depths that were yeah. at that day. Today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this piece of equipment that you were using to do this survey with. Uh, so it's a, I think you saw it on the show, although it, they didn't show it very long. Uh, they showed it's just kind of hitting the water and then, uh, 
you know, going through the water briefly. It's, um, you know, it weighs about 40, 45 pounds. It's a magnetometer, which is a lot of people think it's a metal detector, but it's, it's, it's not a metal detector. It, it does detect ferrous items, excuse me. It won't detect, you know, the gold. That's, that's not going to add anything to the detection ability. Uh, but it detects um, the Earth's magnetic field. So, you know, you got the North Pole and the South Pole, and then there these lines that are connecting them. Right. And that travels that travels through the Earth, right? right. Um, and so we, we read the numbers of that. And they don't, that doesn't fluctuate very often. You know, uh, they're very far. Um, so it's pretty stable number. But if there's a disturbance of ferrous items, um, then that will deflect those uh, okay. patterns of north and south, and that's right. kind of what we we pick up on. I and, got a, I got a picture of it on my uh, computer. Oh. If you want to share the screen, yeah, jump, throw it, shoot it up there, and I'll uh, I'll uh, add it in. While he's doing that, I'll, I'll say that um, if it's a steamship that's on the bottom, that's a huge deflection, right, oh, in right. one general yeah. area. But a ship like the Captain Lawrence, a wooden ship. Uh, with a steam, not a steam engine, it had gasoline engine on it and a diving bell. And, you know, it had iron uh, as part right. of it. Um, that is not all in one deposit either. It's not like it was torpedoed and it just sank right there. You know, it hit the rocks and it floated around and it hit the rocks again right. and it floated. So it's a very dispersed pattern of iron. And that's what's difficult. Right. That's that's what's the real art uh, in in what I really have worked at over you know ten twenty years at at detecting those items and that's that's why we had our success. Well, and that's something too. You know, I'm glad, thank you for explaining that by the way because I really had I thought it was kind of like a metal detector myself. I, I really yeah. had that idea in my brain that that's how it worked, but I had no idea that it worked off the Earth's magnetic fields and looking for a deflection. I I did not know that so. That's yeah, so it, it, you can you can pick up bigger areas. You know, a metal detector has to send out its yeah. own signal down, and then it reads it what it's coming back up. So right. uh, this is uh, different. Different technology altogether. I've got one more. Did you find that, Rob? Yeah. How do I actually share my screen? Uh, you should have a share button down there at the bottom, uh, or share or present. Is there a present? I think they present. changed the name of it. It says present. present. Oh, I don't see it. Uh, right next right to next the to X. Hold on. Next yeah. to the settings. Yeah, right next to settings and all that. You should see it down there. And then it'll let you pick which screen or which picture you want to. You have to have it open. Yeah. While he's doing that, too, I'm going to bring up this picture. This was uh, kind of a more of a, a broader view of the lanes. And you can see here, of course, this is Poverty Island, uh, north side tight. Uh, and oh then boy, is, how did you get that? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty crafty at finding pictures from the show. Oh my, that's like top secret there. Uh oh, no, so that, that's my that's my thought process coming into the area, right? So yeah. if you can scan out, since it's, since you're airing uh, airing the the wares there, there's a uh, that red line coming in from the bottom and then across the island and then off horizontal. Yeah. That's where I where I started. I started because oh, I I believed it was in seventy feet of water. So I was looking, you know, what's where's that water at? And that's the original spot. And then I was reading a little bit more, and I said, no, it's going to be closer to poverty. Where let's get that rectangle there, and then um, you know came to the blue circle, 
or the blue rectangle. So it's right. you can see I see how it kind of gets narrowed down. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I don't know what the I, I don't know what the radius I have on the circle there. It might be a two mile <laughs> radius around there. And I knew it wasn't on the east side of the island. Right. Which would have been over here. And they were looking down here before off there. You can see down here at this point in the south side, you can see down here. That's the lighthouse. I can't right. uh let's see, maybe I can a little bit right here is the lighthouse. And so they decided that's where they looked last time, down here. Right, and real close to shore. Right, very close to shore. And so now they decided to move up here. So that's much, uh, um, I think, makes more sense. And like Marty, uh, Maddie actually even mentioned on the show, over there would be a better hiding place, not only to drop it, but also to come back and get it later without being seen by any traffic that happens to be going by on the east, southeast side of the island. You could kind of hide back there a little bit, possibly. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know who you'd be hiding from other than whoever's pursuing you. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to go back and get it, you don't want the union to find you. So, yeah. Right. So you could kind of hide back there. It makes sense, but uh, interesting. So uh, any luck there, Rob? Uh, I go to settings and it's just showing like my. No, not channel. your settings. It should be under the word present. When you click on present. Okay. And then it should say, okay, it brings up some options of what you want to look for. Okay, um, I see I see it. Okay. Got it? Okay. Yeah, I do. And then once you select it, it'll pop up for me to bring it up on the screen for us. Okay. There you go. If you can if you can see that. If you can see no, I don't. I don't have anything yet. Nope. Should go ahead and select it, and then it should be something like uh, uh let's see. Um, you just go to, well, now it's showing me something different because I've already got one selected. Yeah, that's all, that's all right. We, okay. We well, we've out. got this here and this was now, it, you know, Doug, you went out and you guys did the scanning the one day and you came up and you said, okay, I need to take and analyze this data a little bit and then we'll come back out and, you know, see what we are. We'll talk about it and show. And this was the after you were able to actually run the data? Is this what this is here? Yeah, so that that's just one of the lanes, a section of one of the lanes that those horizontal lanes that you showed in a couple of screens earlier. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the, the magnetometer readings. Um, right. There's actually three different readings in there. So, yeah, you know, I and, and I, I didn't have, you know, the time or the really the interest in telling all of TV land, everything that I know about, uh, you know that I, I it's kind of like Burger King giving the secret sauce out to everybody. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the you recipe. Did get to hear about the Grand Tetons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Uh, you know, Marty, Marty came up with that, and the the younger crew kind of looked at him like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, what is he <laughs> and he and then he turned and he looked at me. He says. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably still people that are listening that don't know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, probably so. Uh, um, and, and that's fine. We'll leave it alone. Yeah, we'll leave it alone. So, um, so anyway, yeah. So you 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 had some definite hits, and you told them. I think they asked you the question: Is this something that you would dive on? Uh, you know, based upon what you found here, is this something you would dive on? And, I, and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, your answer was, oh, absolutely, you know, or something along those lines. Yeah, I was more interested in the um, 
the 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 business as I described it to him, the 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 waffling kind of the narrow the the low stuff, than I was the the big items. Yeah, so, really. If you, yeah. if you if you put that back up there, yeah. what you're you want the 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 ones that look that they call the Grand Tetons, those are uh, monopoles. They they're going in one direction. Really, what you want to look for are the dipoles, oh. and that's where it goes. So you want these up and down, right, here. right? What's in the middle there, where you see it going up and then down? Yeah, that kind of uh, kind of S shaped going yep. through the line. Yep, that's more. That's what Doug is saying. That's more important, oh, you know, okay. to us and to you know an archaeologist than what the, those the Grand Tetons would have been. Right. Yeah, because that you're going over it there, and the uh, the monopoles, the other ones, they're out there somewhere. They're on another lane, the center of it. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. So this portion right here is what's telling the story. Okay. That's where yeah. we went. Yeah. And again, there you go with your expertise. I would have thought you wanted to look for the big spikes, but here you're not. You're looking for uh, this area here. So that's awesome. Okay. Thank you for that. I, I, I And again, I, you know, I know nothing about this stuff, and that's why I bring people like you on so you can tell us what the heck did we – what did we see on this show? You know, what did they actually – uh, you know, talk about here. So that's very interesting. So then, boom, you guys go back out and you're in the water. And I'm, you know, now this, the clarity, probably a little bit less this day than it was for you the first time out? Or It's just not showing as good as it, you know, as it was. Um, so that's Luke in the foreground. I'm in the middle holding the camera with the umbilical cord going up so that they can see what we're looking at. Right. And then that's got to be uh, Marty in the, in the background. Right over there, yep. Okay. Uh, and like I said, Marty, man, he was down. He stuck to it. Uh, this was really like his, if I, if I understood or remember it right, it, he had just done his certification dives. Yeah. And didn't have really any dives logged other than that. So wow. you this, did a little quickie yeah. refresher course with him in the hotel pool. Yeah. Beforehand. Oh, did you? Yeah, and he was he, and he was all ears, and you know he he just absorbed. He was a sponge. He absorbed yeah. everything that I had to say, and uh, and he applied it. You know, and yep. he did really well. Yeah, kudos to him. Now this is a uh, little. It's a little metal, uh, underwater metal detector, a Pulse Eight uh, X, um, and it's designed to be underwater. Is there much different? Like I have a I have a Garrett metal detector, and is this one? I mean. What's the differences between this type and and like a one land surface one that I use? Is it a lot? Is it pretty similar or besides um, being watertight? I mean, other than that, right? At the obvious, um, you can get more um, controls and more um, with a land detector um, uh, than you can. And you know, um, underwater detector is kind of dumbed down a little bit, if you will. Okay, I, I had to kind of. Um, I got a little chuckle when I saw the show when they had the animated uh, little episode of the guy, you know, the guy swimming, <laughs> you know, with his fins, you know, yeah, like this, and and I yeah, with, of the metal detector, you know. I almost it, grabbed it, that picture too, and I oh, didn't. I wish you would have because you know they had they had they had a couple gold bars I think underneath it, and uh, yeah. you know, and uh, so I don't maybe think I gold did. No, chain. I, didn't, I didn't grab that picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to. I saw it. And I thought, no, I, I'm gonna. I want the real stuff here. I want the guys uh, down there. So, um, yeah. So, tell us a little bit about that whole that whole process. Um, you went down, and 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 again, we got to see. There's a picture here. You can kind of see the the, the surface 
uh, of the uh, the base down here. You got a little bit of vegetation, very little. It's not on this picture. It's not on the screen right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, here I am pointing, and you guys can't see a thing. So you got the vegetation, and then it looks like maybe some spots of dirt or whatever. Or, yeah, it's sand. Uh, it's yeah. loose, loose sand, um, but it stirs up pretty easy, <clears throat> and it's, uh, you know, you could you could put your hand down into it and grab a handful pretty loosely, pretty easily. You know, you're not gonna break your fingers doing it. Right. Um, and so. Uh, I had instructed everybody that you're not probably going to see something laying proudly on the bottom that you have to look for things that are peeking out um, from that, you know, that, that top layer of uh, the, the lake bottom. Right. And, and we found one piece. I think we found uh, first, we found the, um, I don't know. It was, it was, I still can't um, maybe Rob's got better idea after time has passed, but it seemed to me like it was a corner piece. Um, Are you talking about this thing here? Yeah, that right there. Yeah. Dead eye. Um, yeah, one and, of them up on top. They called it a dead eye, but again, I don't know what that. I don't. I don't. I don't see a dead eye there. Yeah, do you, Rob? I didn't either. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, some sort of a. Yeah, you do have uh, an iron. And I don't know if that's the iron. It seemed like the iron uh, rod that was going through it was a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, There's one back here behind it. You can see. Uh, there it is. Yeah, yeah that's the one that I saw. That's yeah. like two, two and a half feet long. And uh, yep. wow, I hadn't even right, really seen the other one. Um, so that that's probably is something that was sticking up, up above the, uh, you know, the sidewall of the gunnels and um, would be something that as when it was a sailing ship, the, the lines would have been tied off to it. So Makes Bob sense. was... Bob was along the right line, not Rob, but Bob, when he said something about a, uh, a dead eye, but I don't see a dead eye there. So, yeah, that was, you know, that was exciting seeing that because oh, that's absolutely. a substantial piece. And that was on, I'm pretty sure, uh, the first dive. And the second dive, I think, is when the uh, other piece was found. Yeah, I don't have real good pictures of it, but I think this is it right here in that's front of me. That's not it. No, that's oh, a no. branch that's or something. A tree yeah. Branch. Yeah. So that's yeah. the wood. You can see the the corner there. That's a plank. Yep. Um, and Somebody Rob said, said it's about twenty to twenty-five feet long. Yeah. When I first saw it, I was of course just going by what what was visible, and it looked like about uh, ten or fifteen feet long. And then as we started fanning you know, the surface of it so we can see it. Uh, and it, and I think um, Luke went around all the way to the other end and he started moving it and it, the definition and the length of, of it st started to come out, mm -hmm. um, stirred it up a little, stirred up the bottom a little bit, but, um, it, you know, uh, for a brief moment, I could see that it was definitely much longer, 20, 25 feet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't find boards like that. Um, you know, it's not a deck board, um, yeah. is, you know, it's two inches thick, probably yeah. it had the holes in it. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, th I thought it would as a, uh, deck planking, but, um, Rob corrected me on that and, and said, because of the holes and the hole spacing, right, Rob, that it was okay. probably a hull, uh, plank. Oh, okay. On the outside of the ship, making up the hole of it, actually. Okay. It, it wrapped around and you could kind of estimate the length of the vessel based on the distance between those you know the the, the nails that would have gone through there 
Right, because they would have been going into the actual ribs. Correct. They would have been going okay. right into the framework. So, okay. Wow. And that would give you an idea of how what the yeah if you could get the spacing on those then you could kind of and I and I guess that now the the thing that we were told you know watching the show that we didn't that you weren't really able to get a distance between them therefore not being able to really tell how big this particular yeah we weren't was. expecting to find anything like that so nobody had a tape measure or oh, yeah, you know right. we we didn't even and really oh, the visibility. Yeah, the visibility got so bad in uh, the excitement, uh, people moving the thing around a little bit that I couldn't even see the holes anymore. So, oh, yeah. you know, I suppose I could have done it in hindsight by Braille, by, you know, distance between my, you know, my right. thumb and my, but, um, you know, there's a lot going on. They want to, they want more results. So uh, we wanted to continue looking. Right. Yeah, I got to say, you know, when I saw the show, I got the impression myself, and, and if I wasn't there, I would have believed that the dives were actually very, very short. And, uh, you know, they weren't. Um, um, there's a lot of nothing going on, you know, until you see the excitement of the, right. the actual find. Right. You get so the idea a, that those are 20 or 30 minutes. Right. You do, yeah. And, and they were longer than that. Uh, you know, now Maddie is in a wetsuit, right? And and you consume air much faster in a wetsuit when you're cold than in a dry suit. He's a new diver. So, you know, um, uh, he, but that's fine. You know, we, we were, I was very happy. I was, I felt like it was a very successful two dives. Yep. <laughs> what does it take to get permission to bring something up? Right. Uh, Rob. Well, in the state of Michigan, you you can't bring anything up. So I mean, at all, this, never. Right? No, without not without a permit, and uh, mm -hmm. so that yeah, they didn't have any you know permission to to really disturb the bottom and really recover anything. So it was kind of a a look but don't touch operation, you know, from the get go. No, that's that's and you know what, and that, that's so true about the state of Michigan. That's where I'm at right now. And I love to do metal detecting and I'll just throw this out there real quick, but in the state of Michigan, the only place that you can go and metal detect without any permit is about a three quarter mile stretch of beach in Brimley state park in the UP. That's it. That's the only place in this entire state with all the shoreline we have. That's the only place you're allowed to go without a permit is about a three quarter mile stretch of sand on the beach or in the park, you can go around the park and then you're going to be finding, you know, people's lost jewelry and coins or whatever, but that's it. It's, it's amazing that why are they clamped down so much on that? It just doesn't, I don't get it. I really don't. But Because people abuse it. Well, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, so I was out there metal detecting. I went up and down the beach a couple of times and, you know, on a couple of different occasions because that was the only place I was testing out my new Garrett metal detector to see how it did. And I found, I found a spike, you know, I felt like Gary Drayton. I found a spike, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, but I didn't have Carmen to take it to, to go get it analyzed to find out what it was all about. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that, that really, um, it's kind of frustrating in that respect, I would think. Um, we had, uh, and I was going to go back to this one question, if I can find it now. Jackie had asked a question of Rob, and this kind of relates to what we just talked about. And Jackie uh, asked the question, Rob, what is the process when you find something? 
Uh, can you bring it up, need permits, et cetera? So, I mean, what's the process to go through? You find something, what do you do now? Well, every every state's different. So you've got to, right. but but in Michigan and most of the Great Lakes, it's, uh, you know, we, we knew from the very beginning it was going to be a, you know, kind of visual inspection only, not disturbing the bottom, not recovering anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was, there was never any, uh, plans to recover anything right investigation you're out there doing your investigation which you know is part of the process of course now i mean if you guys would have been down there and all of a sudden you find you know bits and pieces and then you look over and you go oh look there's a you know we just metal detected a piece of chain right here and look oh oh, there's a couple boxes here okay let's say that that happened what do you do now (laughs) i mean you document it as best you can and then you go start the legal process. You start the legal process and you try, you know, apply for a permit. And, you know, there's a guy that has been looking for the poverty Island treasure that, uh, you know, ended up in a lawsuit against the state of Michigan, trying to, uh, trying to claim it back in the gosh, probably the mid nineties. Really? Uh, actually. Uh, oh, the, the show that, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode. That's there. right. We were watch that. Yeah, yeah we were just talking about that. Lynn and I. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Richard yeah. Bennett. Richard. Yes. yes. Thank you, mm-hmm. Richard Bennett. Wow. Yep. You know, so that's 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 the sad part of it. Unfortunately, well, I guess it is and it isn't. I mean, you don't want it's something. This is a historical. If if you found it, it would be a historical find. So, yeah, you have to be very, very careful about that. You don't want just somebody going out there and running off. A really fun treasure. You know, right. If they found it and, you know, let's say they found and they ran off with it. And now it not only is it gone and somebody has it, but you've lost all the historical everything. That's. That's the unfortunate part that they don't think when they write these uh, these uh, statutes and these laws is that they're 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 encouraging that. I mean, if somebody finds something, they should be able to get some of it. Um, you know, right. you want them to turn it in. You want it to be studied. You want it to be you know find out you know some something about the stamping on the coins maybe or yeah, yeah. you know who knows you know. Uh, rather than just going and melting it for gold value so that you don't get thrown in jail, you know? Right. Right. And with, with all the stringent rules that seem to be more and more frequent in every state, mm-hmm. um, it, well, Mar- Marty had talked it's about such that. a negative thing for people who are legit right. because yeah. the other people are going to go find these things and they're not reporting that. Stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Marty, Marty talked about that on the episode uh, season one when they had uh, Global Marine on and they, right. you know, they found a ship and ended up, you know, that ended up in a, you know, a big lawsuit. And he says, you know, they they had a permit. They were doing everything letter of the law. And that's what, you know, Doug and I have always done. We try to do it the right way, right. but they make it nearly impossible but you're still going to have people that don't care about laws and, you know, right. and it is, it's history that disappears and it's gone forever and the stuff sold on the black market and you never know, you know, yeah. it's gone forever. Yeah. So you got to do it right. You got to do it responsibly. And, and that's a big task, but it, you know, it, but it can be very frustrating when you're trying to do things right 
and you're kind of roadblocked at every every chance you know you get just because you're private sector yeah doing it it in the middle of the night you know it's tough yeah yeah absolutely and i know that's like down in florida we've heard gary drayton talk about that when he had rick and marty uh they were out there and they were metal detecting on the beach and he he described down there in florida that if you find it on the beach and not in the water but on the beach finders keepers you find it it's yours if it's in the water now that changes everything and now florida wants their part they want their cut of it they they need their part of it and that's where we were talking about the atocha with um, with mel apt and that he described the fact that um, you know, they were grandfathered in somehow or another. His grandfather, uh, Mel Fisher, was able to secure the Atocha to themselves. They were able to claim the entire thing and the debris field and everything. And now everything has changed since then. That will never happen again where they can get that kind of, you know, um, right to a, a wreck, I guess. Is that, a, is that a good summation of what that's all about? Yeah, that's that's pretty good. The reason they're able to do the Atocha, you know, they found the main pile of the Atocha in 1985. Right. And the Abandoned Shipwreck Act didn't, you know, was 1987, 1988. Mm-hmm. So it's pre-abandoned shipwreck act. So there's kind of another set of rules and regulations and they're gr- they're grandfathered in under the old rules. But if you were to go out and find something today, it'd be a whole it'd be a, it'd be a, you know, big mess. Yeah. And Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Somebody said they missed what it was called. Yes, Poverty Island. The, the TV, the episode was called The Riches of Poverty Island. And that's where they were looking. It was right off, just off the, the, the I was going to say the coast or the beach of the, you know, of Poverty Island shore. on the north side, the shore, thank you, of Poverty Island. Um, so that's, I was just going back and looking at some of the questions here. And most of the questions about are saying, what if you what if you find it then what do you do most of the <laughs> we're all about that very thing um how far off the tip of uh garden peninsula is poverty island i don't i don't know where garden peninsula is jeff uh, you have to know that because that's a michigan thing um well garden peninsula i think is right there by escanaba if i'm correct <laughs> and you guys uh with the I hope what's the name of the town you were Fairbanks or Fairfield? Fairport. Fairport. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's right there. I think Garden Peninsula, I think that is Fairport. If I remember correctly, I'd have to look that up. And I haven't spent much time over there. I have been to Escanaba many times. But, uh, um, yes, I'm just going back and looking at some of the questions here. Beyond Oak Island. Oh, somebody asked, when is Beyond Oak Island aired in Canada? I don't know. We don't know yet. I don't think anybody has said. Um, unfortunately. So yeah, we, and the same thing happens with, uh, Oak Island, you know, we get it, um, a week before they do. Um, so man, I, I, you know, so when you found those pieces, um, Doug, when you were down there, this, this plank, and you also found that wooden piece that was sticking up and it had the piece of iron and went through it. Um, you said, yes, these are old. What, can you get any, I, you obviously you didn't carbon date the wood and all that. I'm assuming cause you couldn't bring it up anyway. So what's your, what's your idea of its age and is it, does it fit the right time period? I, I mean, it's just a, it's a, a wooden ship in Lake Michigan, you know, and they stopped making wooden ships. What time Rob, you know, then they, they converted, uh, uh, you know, to steam and making them out of steel. Um, 
so every wooden ship that I've dived on is a, you know, 18, um, 20s to 18, maybe, maybe 90s. Is that about right, Rob? Yeah, that's about right. I mean, they're definitely by the 1880s, we're getting more and more phased out. So. I mean, there's wooden ships before 1820, but not in Lake Michigan, you know, not very many, right? Um, so they, you know, in other parts of the world, they're in the 1700s, the 1600s, the 1500s. So don't, don't misunderstand me, but in Lake Michigan, you know, that that's the range of a wooden yeah. ship. There's still got wooden ships being used into the 1920s, you know, some of those lumber haulers. So, I mean, but it's, it's more and more, uh, less and less sail mm-hmm. and more and more steam and the same, you know, same can be said about hulls, less and less wood and more and more iron and steel as it got replaced right and that's one of the big things too and you guys both of you are probably very familiar with this that i and i and i think i mentioned this the last time we talked about this episode but some of the you know little restaurants you go to anywhere around in michigan especially on lakeshore any of the mud miles and miles and miles of lakeshore but you go into the restaurant and the placemat i remember this one the placemats had had michigan laid out there with the great lakes and it showed the majority of all the shipwrecks and it filled the page. I mean, there are so many shipwrecks in the great lakes. It just blows your mind how many there really are. So to say that these pieces now we've, I, I, from based upon what you just said, you can kind of get the idea that they could fit into the time frame. These pieces that you found, it could fit into the time frame of the original <clears throat> ship. But without being able to do any kind of analysis on it, which you cannot do, there's really no way of knowing unless you found something with a name, right? I mean, yeah, those two pieces aren't going to prove it. It's it's the that's why we need to go back. You know, right. you have to put um, you just have to put more miles on the fins, you know, and people in the water. And um, I'm not still not convinced that uh, you know other electronics is going to do the job. Um, cause we don't know how, how the, um, broken up the captain Lawrence really is. Right. Um, now, you know, I, I can bring a side scan back out there as a boat towed side scan, not a sector scanning like, uh, they did in the first episode. Um, but there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of rocks and a lot of other stuff yeah. to interpret through. That's why I said, let's use the mag because, you know, there's not gonna, there's no reason for metal be, to be out there exactly. unless it's a shipwreck. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, I saw Winston brought up thing. Go ahead, Linda. Were you going to say something? <clears throat> Go ahead. Oh, I saw a little thing. Winston had said, "Imagine the adventures these guests get to enjoy." Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you guys have that you, kind of dream job, you know. And you know, we can't tell you half of it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we'd love to, but, uh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's lots of, lots of, lots of stories. Yeah. More to the story. Absolutely. According to the history channel scheduling, we're going to have another episode of poverty Island in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. So we'll get more to the story. Hopefully, yeah, so uh, that's we'll, public uh, knowledge. Yep. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it right there. Um, yep. but, uh, that's, that's fantastic because, I, I, you know, now that you've piqued everybody's interests with this, with the first episode and now the second episode, I, man, I got to know more. I really do. And somebody brought up the, the, the comment we were talking about the, the diving bell 
uh, that was found on the beach and the kids were playing with her and, and she, somebody made the comment and nobody thought to go, Hey, why is this thing here? Apparently not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. They didn't have cell phones or anything else yeah, when they were, when they were playing yeah, on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need a picture of this and go show dad. I'm going to put it on the internet. Look what we found. Yeah. It goes viral, you know? So yeah. is that from a shipwreck? Maybe. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. You know, so it'd be hard to get the word out back then, I guess. So um, Rob, earlier you mentioned your newsletter because right. you said three or four years ago you had done um, a piece on Poverty Island, and that was before I subscribed to your newsletter. So I don't. Right, I'm gonna. I'll send you a copy of that one. <laughs> yes, that. and she's gonna share it with me, please. I've got, I've got some books I've got to mail you anyway. So yeah, yeah. Let's, be, let's talk about this newsletter a little bit. I Tell do us have about a your newsletter. Yes, please. Uh, you want to throw it up there on the screen? Yes, I will. Now, this is an older, I don't know which one this is, but yeah. Here's the front page of it. That's the most recent, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, uh, actually, the fall one went out October 15th, so okay. uh, that's not the most recent. But in, in 2014, I started doing a sh quarterly shipwreck newsletter Uh that was right on the eve of the 300, the big 300th anniversary of the 1715 fleet. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I wanted to promote some of those events that they were having and some of the, the, you know, special com commemoration events. And so I, I started uh, maritime shipwreck quarterly and, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was mostly 1715 fleet early on. Right. And I really planned on kind of, uh, you know, running it through the year of the anniversary and then kind of stopping the thing. And then I had so many people, no, no, we love this. It's the only thing out there. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's had some Oak Island, you know, articles in it. It's had uh, some great lake stories, some German U-boat stuff, some pirate stuff. It's just, a, it's a quarterly shipwreck newsletter. Uh, I mail it out four times a year, uh, you know, and. Uh, I'm an e-subscriber and, and I love that. Well, I, I started out, it was a hard copy only. And then, right. you know, I mail it out four times a year. But, you know, by the time you pay for color ink and paper, and then this, the, you know, postage just keeps going up and up every time you turn around it. So I was doing a lot of work. It, 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 this has never been a moneymaker. You know, first of all, this is a, a labor of love. I love doing the research. I love the shipwreck stories. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, I'm not getting rich doing this. You know, I'm putting a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of effort into it, but it gives me, you know, gives, I enjoy doing it and I get so much positive feedback from, you know, the different subscribers that they love it. And if I'm bringing a little bit of joy to somebody else, you know, the world needs that, you know, in this day and age, if I can bring some joy to somebody and they get it, you know, they enjoy reading the stories, you know, it's worth the effort. Oh, so uh, a couple of years ago, I decided, you know, I had to keep raising the subscription rates. And I said, well, you know what? I want to offer people, you know, an opportunity to, you know, do an electronic version. That way that'd be a less expensive alternative. So I've got, uh, you know, about 300 or so subscribers. And it's, it's funny because it's about equally split between hard copy subscribers and, and really? electronic. Some people just love to have that hard copy. They love getting mail. They, you know, they keep them. And I, I've got people that, oh, they put them in, you know, binders. And, you know, it's, it's all, uh, and other people are just as happy getting, a, you know, an electronic version. There, that's an interesting uh, picture you got right up there. That is the Endurance. 
that was Shackleton's ship that they found. And that is why our episode did not air back in March like it was supposed to air. Really? We got got bumped that week. Uh, Our uh, Riches of Poverty Island was supposed to air, I think, March 22nd. And that is the week that they found Shackleton's Endurance, and we got bumped. They had uh, Lawrence Fishburne did a special on the Endurance for the History Channel, and our episode got bumped, and it never aired. And Doug and I were kind of, you know, starting to worry, is it ever going to air? We talked to a couple of the, you know, junior producers, and they're like, no, they love the show, and they loved our episode. But what what the History Channel likes doing is you know having one of your best episodes kick off the season and one of your best episodes end the season and that way you know it gets renewed for the next season right so they they had said uh you know when we got canceled they didn't run our episode it was probably going to be one of the early episodes to kick off you know season three and that's exactly what happened we were uh, episode two Let's see. Now, people have asked uh, about how much is it or where can they find it, and I did not have a link available. What's uh, the best? Go ahead. I'm, I'm more than willing to share my email address. And uh, I think it's on the email. bottom right here. Uh, is it's it on the, the last, Yeah, it's on the last page. If you can okay, zoom yeah, in I'm on that. Back uh, up here. Okay. Shoot me an uh, email. I've got the subscription. And uh, can't zoom into it, but I'll type it in the chat here real quick. Um, it's Robert Westrick at hotmail.com. Yep. Just my first and last name all run together as one word. Uh, nothing in between. Just Robert Westrick at hotmail.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to, if you just want to talk shipwrecks, shoot me an email. I, okay. I, I oh, love yeah, talking about this stuff. Put it in there too. So that probably was Jan, I would imagine. And I've got a flyer. So I could send you a flyer and it's got the subscription rates and how to order and everything else on it. So. All right, cool. All right. So, wow. I tell you what, this has been fascinating guys. I I've, uh, I've absolutely enjoyed this and this is exactly why I like to do this show and have you guys, the guests, uh, people that were on the episode to come on and share with us. And as I mentioned before, we get to see so little of the actual show or what you guys were doing out there. And so to have you come on here and explain it more detail to us was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And such an interesting show. I, I can't thank you both enough uh, for coming on and sharing with us. This was phenomenal. It really, truly was. I hope we get to see you guys again this year. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I hope yeah. So. yeah, I really do. And, uh, and I've told, I told Rob this before, uh, Rob, your next find, man, you know, uh, obviously it's going to be in your newsletter, but come and tell me and we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll do a special episode of the curse of Oak Island and beyond. We'll have you on Doug. You too. We'll bring you guys on to talk about your latest and greatest things that you're doing. Because like I said before, you know, most of us, me included, you know, I would love to do what you do and I just can't, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I love doing this. So when you guys are out finding great things, let me know. We'll bring you on and we'll get it out to the world as much as we can. If you like the episode, my invite to go up to Oak Island, because, you know, that does have a maritime element to it. And, you know, some of the, you know, I've got some ideas for up there. So, you know, (laughs) let's go. So maybe we'll see you on the curse of Oak Island. Yeah, you, you never know. I, I was telling I was telling you before we, we all went live on the air to everybody. 
the uh, Tuesday I was watching our rerun episode and, and I was talking to Doug and I'm talking to Doug on the phone, watching myself on TV along with him and Marty and Maddie. And uh, my phone rings. I'm getting another phone call. It's Mar- It's uh, Marty's calling me. So I had to let Doug go. I got Doug, Marty's calling me. Sorry. And, he uh, president. Yeah. So it's so funny. I'm, I'm watching us on television. I'm talking to Doug and I get a call from Marty. And actually, Marty misdialed me by mistake. We had spoken earlier in the week, and uh, it was a, he's like, "Oh, Robin," because I was trying to get a hold of somebody else, uh, trying to get a hold of Robin. So apparently, I'm in Marty's phone, and I'm you know one person right next to Robin, right, right next to Robin, because you know he started talking, and I'm like, "I uh, this isn't you know, I don't think you know who you're talking to." But we had we had talked earlier in the week, so it just was yeah. was funny that it all rolled together like that. Yep. I have, can I have? Can I uh, insert one request? Yes, please. If if your viewers uh, enjoyed the episode and liked uh, that we had success, um, uh, it would be helpful that they express that to Prometheus and or online or History Channel and let them know, you know, that they want to see us continue with that uh, with that show. That would I mean, be. That would be absolutely. helpful. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I do. I really want. If you didn't uh, like it. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I'm in. I, I think that's great because I, I think this you you have uh, it piqued my interest, and I'm sure the interests of millions of people out there. I want to see what's next. I, I, I you got to keep going. You have to keep going. Right. Yeah. You have to, and uh, we want to show it, and we want to talk about it and see it so uh fantastic any parting thoughts guys linda just that was mine delighted to have you guys <laughs> back thanks on. for having us this was great oh man I, I tell you what well thank you so much guys for being on uh rob westrick and doug gossage i really do appreciate you guys coming on and giving us the detail of this show it was absolutely fantastic linda simpson thank you so much for being co-host You're very welcome. for the beyond stuff you know we're having a great time with it and i, I love having you up here uh, as a co-host with me and folks thank you for being here with us we had a very nice crowd tonight watching and of course this will be out on youtube uh to watch over and over again or more people to catch it give us a like if you like the content of our show here tonight and don't forget to click subscribe and click on that uh notification bell so you know right away i guess it's kind of working sort of working sometimes to let you know when we have new content coming out so again next thanks folks thursday for being here thursday night yes next thursday night next for thursday night we will do ori's treasure ori's and treasure. we will have several guests we will have three guests, including uh, Joe Zika. Yep. And Mike, and I can't remember Mike's last name because I haven't met him yet. And Dr. Aaron Taylor. Dr. Aaron Taylor. Now, you guys know he's been on the show a few times, uh, always related to Oak Island. Now he was with Maddie and all those guys down in Florida, right? So, right, working for the state of Florida. Yeah, yeah, of all places. So we get to have Dr. Aaron Taylor back. So we're really looking forward to that. That's next Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, just like we were here. Catch you guys here next time right. on the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream and JFree906. Everyone have a great rest of your night. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Thanks again. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>